Uh, anything with specialty skills already is great, um, but if they don't, you know, we have opportunities to grow them. Um, just dedicated, motivated individuals that want to make a difference in, in the guard uh, and want to make a difference in their state when they come back from the Warrior Training Center, we'll take them. Excellent. Welcome back to Leaders Recon, where we're discussing the Warrior Training Center today with Captain Sturgis, the current S3 at WTC. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And I'm your host, Captain Carney. And so we usually like to start off our interviews with a fact that when people hear it about you, it, it surprises people. So what's a fact like that? Yeah, I grew up, uh, grew up between Colorado and Indiana. I've been a, a guardsman in three separate states. Whoa. Um, and I have a, a beautiful family, three, three little girls. Excellent. Definitely a girl dad. All right. That's excellent. Oh, yeah, three girls. There yeah. you go. Do people ever give you, uh, like, uh, say, whoa, that's a lot of them? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll try for another, so it'll probably be twin girls or something. Yep. Sounds good. Well, uh, so you... How long have you been with WTC? What's your current role? Uh, what's kind of your relationship with WTC uh, over the past few years? So I was introduced to the WTC in 2011. I attended air assault school when we were doing um, Cadet Command Air Assault out at Camp Raylia in Oregon. Um, I was really impressed with the organization at that time. Didn't know that I'd have the opportunity to interact with WTC cadre again. 2014, I was in the Texas Guard, got an opportunity to go to Pathfinder School and a mobile training team out to Camp Swift. Uh, and then later in 2014, came to RTAC and kind of interacted with the ACO side of the house before going to Ranger School. Fast forward a little bit, post-captain's career course, I was doing an XETC rotation at Fort Hood, uh, met the incoming battalion commander at the time. Uh, he decided to give me a shot and hire me down here to see if I was worth my salt. And came here in 2016 as a BCO XO, uh, and then took BCO command in 2017, ACO command in 2019, became the three in 21. Obviously worth your salt. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Excellent. Been here for a while. So going into a little bit more about WTC, I mean, I've been M-Day for 10 years and so um, hadn't heard a lot about it, but now that I'm up at the, the NGB level and learning about leader development and everything like that, WTC is, you know, it seems like a, an incredible guard asset as far mm -hmm. as it's focused at guard, and uh, how many courses are taught here? Like, what, what is WTC? So we are a Title X Army National Guard organization aligned under Army National Guard Training Division and the MCOE Senior Mission Commander. Uh, we focus on providing critical functional skills, developing leaders uh, within the Compo 2 formations uh, to enhance really federal and state operational readiness and lethality across the Guard. Okay. How many courses are taught here? 16 total right now. Okay. And notably, as far as... Uh, we've already interviewed some of the other courses. You've got um, Jumpmaster, Aerosol, Airborne, Pathfinder, RTLI, RTAC, and, and then uh, Abrams, Bradley's. Are there any other um, that are real notable that I missed? Uh, so I can run it down for you. Let's see. Um, so we have three training companies and then HHC. HHC traditionally in the past has, has been really the support role. They've taken care of POI support, uh, medical, admin, all of that type of thing. Sure. Um, but we do have two POIs within RTLI now, or within HHC now, which is RTLI and, and the Jumpmaster course. Uh, ACO has RTAC, Master Fitness Trainer course, Basic and Tactical Combatives, and then the Light Leaders course. Uh, Light Leaders uh, isn't an ATARS-driven course. It's a modular course designed to meet a battalion and brigade. Um, maneuver commander's intent in achieving mission essential tasks. 
uh, Bravo Company has Air Assault Repel Master Pathfinder, and then Charlie Company, Abrams and Bradley Training Assessment Course, uh, Vehicle Crew Evaluator, Senior Gunner Course, SIO, Alpha 8 Transition. Um, so yeah, I mean, we run the full gamut from, from light to platform. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Now I was looking through some of like the 101 products about WTC, and you have a lot of assets here. What are some of those key assets as far as like airplane mock-ups and things like that? Yeah, so we have four classrooms uh, on camp, so we have the ability to host quite a few courses simultaneously, depending upon the course max. Uh, we have uh, three barracks across camp, uh, total capacity of 258 students at any given time. It was a 60-foot rappel tower, which was just recently done, and we're working on some additional modifications to that to kind of enhance the training value of that apparatus. Uh, slant wall, four UH-60 mock-ups, C-17, C-130, CH-47 mock-ups, C-130 hull trainer, um, obstacle course that can really accommodate the full gamut. You know, we have uh, air assault courses that run through here, so it supports that. Uh, Ranger training assessment course, and we were still doing the obstacle course, but it essentially mirrors the Derby Queen um, over at uh, 4th RTB. Uh, and then we run competitions on that as well. So we hosted part of the best ranger competition this year using our own course. Very interesting. Yeah. With WTC, what was the original need and what did the, the original stand-up look like that created the need to bring WTC to what it is today? Yeah, so kind of go back in history a little bit. 1994, oh. um, Mr. Sider, our deputy commander, um, realized that there was a kind of a pervasive attrition issue within ranger school, um, specifically for National Guardsmen. I believe at the time we had an 8% graduation rate. <clears throat> so he developed a pre-ranger course at that time. Uh, and we still have some, some DA civilians on staff that worked with him uh, throughout that period as well. So there's a, kind of a long legacy that goes into this. But mm -hmm. um, since that time, we've been able to get graduation rates up to as high as 68% for for National Guard soldiers going through Ranger School. That's right now horrible. we're sitting at about 57.4% for this year. We should trend just above 60% if things uh, go in the appropriate direction. Uh, but that's kind of the, that's kind of what the WGC does well, right? We look at uh, what's the director's current vision, what does he want the National Guard to be capable of, and then we look for training shortfalls or readiness shortfalls, and we, and we plug in where we can uh, to satisfy those requirements. So we saw the same thing with uh, Abrams and Bradley training assessment course. Graduation rates were roughly 30%. They've been between 90 and 100% over the last five years uh, for guys going from ATAC, BTAC into Common Core in their platform-specific Master Gunner course. Um, as recent as last year, you know, the National Guard has uh, quite a few airborne and aerial delivery organizations throughout formations. Um, so we were sitting at 38% strength for jump masters across the force, uh, across Complex 2 force. Um, so we stood up a jump master MTT last year. We've run five courses. We have one on the road right now in Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're always looking for those gaps that we can fill to kind of in, improve the capability of the guard and, and fix those readiness and training issues uh, to the best of our ability. Um, we've, we've taken on quite a role with several of our courses. So we're the executive agency for Air Assault, Repel Master, and Pathfinder. The United States Army Infantry School is a proponent right, for any infantry-driven schools. Uh, and then for each of those courses, they have an executive agency uh, that's responsible for governing courseware and making sure there's adequate communication between satellite schoolhouses, um, ensuring similar student experience, um, kind of streamlining processes and how courses are executed. So we have that for Air Assault, Repel Master, and Pathfinder. Uh, which, you know, there's, a, there's obviously Compo 1 organizations that do those as well. So we'll host uh, annual working groups and symposiums to make sure that, you know, everybody's in line and doing the right thing. Um, 
but I think synchronizing amongst active duty and basically any of the school yeah cross compo right right, right. Uh, which really benefits everybody right uh, mm. partner partner nation sister services included so oh, cool uh, I think you know we've been quite the game changer for for compo too uh, I think we'll continue to do that so long as there's requirements that need to be filled mm -hmm. and as far as capabilities you mentioned MTTs so can you explain what that is and what is our current capability across the guard with MTTs? So MTTs are mobile training teams. Um, every POI that we have, every course that I mentioned earlier is exportable. So we can do them anywhere. Hmm. Um, Air Assault and Pathfinder were just over in Germany not long ago. Uh, we've run RTAC in Kenya. I mean, there's, there's, there's places to do pretty much everything um, and all of our cadre are, are prepared to go on the road and are resourced to do so. Um, there are uh, opportunities for states to purchase courses uh, if they need to do that, which is obviously more cost effective. Instead of sending everybody down here, they can bring us out there and we can run a course. Um, and then there's several TR funded sites that are kind of strategically located from the West, Midwest and East Coast to make sure that we regionally align courses and allow opportunities for guardsmen to attend. Mm -hmm. So with all the capabilities that WTC has, what's a normal amount of students, or what's a what's a normal tempo or throughput at any given time at WTC? Yeah, so every every course has their own course max. Generally, if we're running a course in a single location, the, the most students that you'll see at any at any given time is about 350. Mm. Um, but we we have an annual throughput of, of roughly 5,500. On an annual basis. On an annual basis. Yep. Wow, that's a lot. So that's, that's both resident and MTT combined. Well, that's a success in itself as far Absolutely. as um, the next thing I wanted to bring up was with WTC, I know that we've discussed a lot of um, recent teams that have gone through and received training from WTC, like um, all of the Army National Guard sniper schools received training from WTC. And what are some other competitions that WTC assists with uh, training for the National Guard teams? Uh, yeah, so the National Guard Marksmanship Training Center uh, out in Arkansas, they actually run Sniper for the Guard. Mm -hmm. um, but we are the uh, executive agency for all Army National Guard competitions. So mm -hmm. any, any competition that a Guardsman may compete in, whether it be uh, Best Ranger, um, International Sniper Competition, the Ganey Cup, the Sullivan Cup, um, soon to be best medic, best mortar most likely, best squad as it continues to staff and, and gain some traction. All of those competitors will come here and then go through a train up, whether it be a week uh, from time to time, dependent upon the quick click to bang on, on regional or local competitions to us, um, uh, up, to, up to four months in cases like BRC. They'll be here and train with subject matter experts and we'll prepare them for the competitions and send them forward. Really 2016 was our banner year. Uh, mm -hmm. We took ISC that year, Best Ranger that year, and, and Sullivan Cup. That's Friedline and... Uh... Uh, Rob Killian, Major Rob Killian. Killian. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So with all the, as a WTC instructor, with all the accreditations that you get, whenever people finish their time here and they go back to their units, what does that look like? Um, so, you know, sometimes they'll go back in an M-Day capacity, but when, I think one of the things to highlight uh, about the opportunities afforded by this organization, the reputation that it has, you know, we've had since inception um, over 350 soldiers that have served here either assessing to the Title 10 or to the Title 32 AGR program. That's amazing. So the, yeah, it is. So the, the amount of knowledge, the amount of expertise, uh, the amount of growth they get during an assignment here seems to pay dividends for them. So with WTC being a Guard-centric organization, what's the return on investment or what are the benefits that the Guard receives from WTC? 
So from the student perspective, you know, anybody that we send back to the state now has a particular set of skills or subject matter expertise that they can use to advise you know, commanders at Echelon uh, when trying to see, achieve mission essential tasks, uh, really enhancing the lethality of the operational readiness of that specific organization or unit. Um, from the cadre perspective, um, it's important first to realize that we're 90% ADOS. Right? So everybody that comes here wants to be here. They volunteer to be here. Uh, we represent 39 states currently from across the 54. So there's a there's quite this conglomerate of individuals with diverse backgrounds that, that can really provide um, input um, and you know this really professional, awesome experience to these students. Uh, but what the student, sorry, what the uh, cadre member gives back, right? When when they're going back to their state, they may spend a year here because it's ADOS, right? So it's year by year orders up to five years. Uh, they may uh, they may stay here for a year. They may stay here for five. But when they go back to their unit. Right. They've been on the podium. Uh, they have their podium time. Um, they've matured quite a bit because you know they've probably been working a pretty high op tempo job for a while and understand right. um, how to manage large groups of students and mentor and coach and teach. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I think the the organization at large, whatever organization they go back to, is going to benefit just from the, the expertise that a soldier has. And then in addition to that, that soldier you know is pretty much set up from a career progression perspective because you know they come down here they have opportunities to attend a whole mess of functional skill schools whether it's mm -hmm. ones that we have ourselves or, or those that occur on Fort Benning with other organizations that they have the opportunity to attend uh, i.e. sniper airborne or like ranger mm -hmm. what have you and I was looking at the WTC building of an instructor and it was approximately a nine-month pipeline yeah Something... yeah yeah so it depends on the course that they're going through uh, or that they've been assigned to teach at, right? So yeah. everybody that comes here um, has to first attend CFDIC, um, which is the, the basic instructor course, basically. It used to be ABIC, now it's CFDIC. Uh, and then dependent upon the program that they're going to, there's a whole you know, gamut of requirements. Um, ACO, for example, uh, they'll have to go through um, RITEP, um, which is actually certifying as a ranger instructor through 4th RTB, so they'll be in the same class as ranger instructors over there. Mm -hmm. uh, when they come back, then they have internal certification requirements uh, to teach RTAC because there's a little bit of oddity between you know how ranger instructors at 4th RTB do things and then how we do things here. And the only reason for that, and not, not taking away anything from 4th because they're awesome, mm -hmm. um, but we really focus on a coach-teach-mentor approach, right? We're not with, with uh, ATAC, BTAC, with RTAC, we're not a fourth phase of that school or we're not another phase of that school. We're, we're just trying to set them up for success and give them the best opportunity possible to succeed. Right. So we spend a lot of time, even after POI hours, um, providing you know, non-mandatory or mandatory study halls to make sure that these guys have all the knowledge that they need to be as successful as possible because without their success, we don't have a job. Right. And when you said podium time, you mean like as an instructor time in front of the students? Correct. Okay. And whenever, let's see, if someone wanted to become an instructor here or become a student, uh, what pathways, what pipelines do they take to get here? Yeah, so students, um, uh, pretty simple process. Uh, you know, that's really just going through their training or readiness NCO and, and putting a, an HRS application in to attend the school. Mm -hmm. If their school is available to the state, you know, they'll, they'll be here. Um, we do um, have constant conversation with uh, state training officers and quota source managers across the force to make sure that their requirements are fulfilled. Mm -hmm. uh, from a cadre perspective, it's as simple as going into the tour of duty website and looking for vacant positions. Anybody can apply, um, enlisted an officer alike. Uh, if they do apply, they will have a packet boarded through our chain of command, uh, Sergeant Major on the enlisted side, uh, DCO and, and the battalion commander 
on the officer side. Um, and either way, regardless of you know what the outcome is, they'll you know uh, be informed of of how that process ends up for them, and hopefully they'll come down here. Okay. Uh, the good thing I think to note is that you don't you don't have to have a ranger tab to come. You don't have to have air assault wings. You don't have to have a pathfinder torch, right? There's a lot of guys that we say we, you know, we grow off the street, if you will. You know, mm -hmm. We'll take them in with not a lot of experience and they'll have the opportunity to support POI and kind of grow and attend CFDIC and airborne school. And so you don't have to be Rambo to show up. That's right, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll build those fundamental skills, you know, and then we'll give them the opportunity to shine and, and be an instructor and we'll send them back to their state better. Okay. And with, um, with training, as far as you, you mentioned the approach is more based on, um, you said train, coach, what was that you said? Yeah, coach, teach, mentor. Coach, teach, mentor. Right. So how does that differ from what WTC has observed when comparing against active duty, the Ranger battalions, or uh, maybe even the reserves? Yeah, so, you know, the way that courses are written, there's specific hours allocated to lesson plans and to the program of instruction overall. Uh, and sometimes, and I'm not saying it's all courses because I think, especially on Fort Benning, on, on MCOE schools or USAS schools, uh, I haven't seen anything but professional cadre anywhere across post. I mean, they're really phenomenal. Uh, but what you, will use, what you will see, excuse me, um, if you go to, say, you know, another course on, on post that, that we host as well, wh whatever that course may be, um, oftentimes, you know, when you're done with POI for the day, you're done. The instructors are gone. You're going to go, you know, spend some time studying on your own and whatever flushes out, flushes out. Um, with us, you know, like Pathfinder, for example, they're in at Camp Riley, Oregon right now. When they're done with class for the day, there's going to be study hall hours available and there's going to be cadre that st stay behind because what else are they going to do? I mean, they're already out there. They're not home, you know, and they want to see these guys succeed. So they're going right. to stay there and they're going to, you know, provide that one-on-one -on -one mentorship and that, that, uh, assistance that they need to really understand and grasp the knowledge. You see the same thing with RTAC here, you know, after uh, they have three different land, land navigation iterations that they do after the first two, um, if somebody doesn't succeed or perform like they wanted to, they're going to have one-on-one -on -one counseling with a certified ranger instructor so that they can understand, you know, was it their route planning? Was it their plotting? Was it sure. uh, time management? What was it? You know, so there's just a lot more one-on-one -on -one opportunity. Um, and you feel like as a student, you know, these guys are here because they want you to succeed. I was going to say a student to teacher ratio. Right. That sounds a lot more intimate. Yep. With how much WTC has grown over the past two, three decades. So how many programs are, how many new programs are coming out? We currently have one um, that we're actively working. Um, it's actually been, it was missioned by General Jensen uh, in November of 2021, it's uh, called the Airborne and Aerial Delivery Safety Training and Readiness Assistance Program. So essentially what we've been tasked to do is provide enterprise level oversight and executive agency uh, to enable standardization um, and regulatory adherence um, in conjunction with airborne and aerial delivery training and readiness requirements. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll provide uh, assistance to states that require assistance with uh, airborne accident prevention programs and then uh, conduct aerial delivery uh, SAVs as well. Uh, just to make sure that all of our Complex 2 organizations in terms of airborne and aerial delivery are on the same page. Uh, so anything, uh, anything airborne or aerial delivery, whether we're exiting an aircraft or whether we're tethered to the aircraft, uh, IE sling load operations will be the SMEs for the guard on that and provide assistance wherever needed. Okay. And with that new program, how does it differentiate from air assault or is it 
like sling load operations or? Yeah, so it differs because it's not a program of instruction. It's really like an advisory team, oh, if you okay. will. Um, so what we'll do is, is coordinate with state leadership that are running state safety programs mm -hmm. and then NGB safety as well uh, to make sure that everybody across Compo 2 is doing the right things, adhering to regulatory requirements as it, as it pertains to airborne aerial delivery operations. Uh, NGBs tracking where our shortfalls are if we have any issues. Kind of quality um, control. Right, yeah. They can help, you know, resource states that don't have the assets to do whatever it is. Uh, when we're talking about a lot of things, a lot of these things are, are commander's programs that states are already responsible for and they're already doing, right? But if they don't have a SME for whatever reason, that's where we can come in and assist them um, achieve whatever their desired in-state is or whatever the TAG's desired in-state or, or commander's desired in-state is. Excellent. Yep. So as we get close to wrapping up, did you have any final thoughts? Um, you know, uh, I think it's important, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, being on M-Day that you, you didn't really know about the WTC at first, um, but we do continue to grow. You know, we've, we've expanded our mobile training team sites that we do on a reoccurring basis from five to nine uh, as of this year. So we should be out a lot more in, in different areas across the country and hopefully we gain, continue to gain visibility. You know, we're trying to increase our social media presence as well and, and make sure that people know that there's opportunities both to attend courses here and develop themselves and their organizations, uh, but opportunities to come instruct as well. Oh, and as far as uh, with that growth and with the instructors, are there any particular instructors that you're looking for? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think there's a couple of, of targeted POI, uh, POIs that we run that, you know, we could recruit the same people for. Uh, and as our airborne and aerial delivery mission continue to increase, um, you know, jump master qualified guys, uh, we can always use them, uh, or airborne, and we can grow them into jump masters. You know, we run we run a course now, we still have a great relationship with first of the 507th PIR, so we can send them over there for jump master, we can put them through jump master ourselves. Uh, pathfinders, rangers, uh, anything with specialty skills already is great, um, but if they don't, you know, we have opportunities to grow them. Um, just dedicated, motivated individuals that want to make a difference in, in the guard, uh, and want to make a difference in their state when they come back from the Warrior Training Center, we'll take them. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate hearing your expertise and about WTC, so thank you so much. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Thank you. If you would like more information on any of the topics that we discussed today, please visit our social media pages in the links below. If you liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.